If you were here last week, and I wanted to just follow on a little bit from my preach last week, but don't worry, I'll catch you up if you weren't. Uh, I preached on a passage in Scripture in Ephesians 6, and I spoke about us being ready for war and ready for conflict in the kingdom against the kingdom of darkness. And I spoke about the war cry, and I showed you a video of the school I went to where we had a war cry. I don't know if any of you guys overseas have that, but in South African boys' schools, we have big war cries, and we get really excited about playing rugby against each other. And uh, there's lots of macho stuff going on. But it was kind of a picture of what it looks like to be uh, ready and engaged for war. And not a physical war, but a spiritual war. And I want to continue in that passage, Ephesians 6. I'm going to read it again. And I want to focus in on one passage, or one verse, which talks about prayer. And uh, a lot of people have come to me in the last few weeks going, I feel like something is stirring me towards prayer, and we need to pray more as a congregation. In fact, a number of words have come to me, and I just feel that this, this, this scripture talks a lot about what I think we as a church are going into and how we engage uh, in the next season that we're going to walk into. Okay, so let me read this passage. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his strength, in the might of his strength. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against his schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present age, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that wor the words that are given to me, that words be given to me, opening my mouth boldly pr to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I, that, I am a, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so as we go through this passage again, we, we, we hear this, this talk of being ready for war, of putting on the armor of God, of not wrestling against flesh and blood. And we need to know about reading this passage that if we are going to fight against heavenly principalities, we can't do it on our own strength. We need God to help us. We need the full armor of God. It says, it says put on the armor of God because you can't stand against these things on your own strength. So we, we rely on him, the tools that he's given us, and then we go, okay, where do you want us, God? What are we doing in your kingdom? And I want to focus today specifically on verse 18. So we can put verse 18 up. One more. Okay. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. How many times have we read that passage? I'm sure many of us have read Ephesians 6 many times. We, probably one of our favorite books in the Bible, to be honest. Whenever I preach in Ephesians, everyone's like, yes, my favorite book of the Bible. And it is. It's an incredible passage of scripture. But I want to talk about prayer and supplication. Because it's mentioned often in Scripture. But first, I want to define what these terms are. Prayer, we kind of know. Who knows what supplication means? It's not a word we use often. A request. So here's what, uh, here's a, a, you are right, Lance. 
Prayer is a solemn request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God. I love that word solemn, a solemn request for help. Firstly, knowing who you are praying to makes that prayer very, very, very solemn. He's God. And then the supplication is a heartfelt petition. A heartfelt petition arising out of deep personal need, a sense of lack or want. A petition is a sense of, of calling out to God in a sense of needing something from Him, really crying out to God with everything that you have. And so these two things, prayer and supplication, are vital parts of our Christian walk as believers, but also as a community of believers. Now, I'd say for, for Josh Jane Musenberg, prayer and supplication is vital for us as a church. YWAM, prayer and supplication is vital for you as a movement. I hope we can agree on that. Because we see throughout Scripture these words together, and, and we see Jesus saying in Hebrews 5, 7, it says in the, about Jesus in Hebrews 5, 7, in the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. And so we see that we can offer up prayers and supplication with loud cries and with tears. Who has ever prayed with loud cries and tears? I know I have. Supplication, God, God. If you don't supply my need, no one will. Only you can supply my need. Well, think of Paul in Philippians 4, 6. We know the scripture so well. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in everything, not some things, not only the things you deem important, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Are we getting the point? One more, because three is a good number. Prayer and supplication is practiced by the apostles. Then they return to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. These all, in one accord, were praying supplication. And so this has to be an active part of our walk and, if we read it in the context of Ephesians 6, our resistance to the enemy. Prayer is warfare. Standing ready for battle must be combined with prayer. And alongside the word, I would say prayer is one of our greatest weapons. And I'll talk about it just now, but I think, unfortunately, prayer has been neglected in the body of Christ in many ways. A famous commentator, Barnes, says this, No matter how complete the armor, no matter how skilled we may be in the science of war, no matter how courageous we may be, the ill will get you so far and no further. We may be certain that without prayer, we shall be defeated. 
You can have triumphalism and go, I'm going to win, but without prayer, I promise you, my friend, you are a sitting target. And so we pray for victory over the enemy. We pray for strength, for courage, for faith. For, 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 we pray against fear, against lies, and against wickedness. Prayer has to be a foundation of our faith. And so I believe this passage gives us um, important insights into prayer. And often as I do, I like to use words to round up or just uh, to talk through in the passage. So I've got three words. And if you know me, you know that I like words that rhyme. So words that rhyme is called alliteration, isn't it? I think. I don't know. I didn't do very well in English. <laughs> Funny fact, I did better in Afrikaans than I did in English. And for those of you who know me, that's very hard to believe because I can hardly speak Afrikaans. So three words in this passage. Prayer, perseverance, and petition. Prayer, perseverance, and petition. So our passage says this, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now, we know that prayer is important. We've established that, I hope. Prayer is a vital part of, of who we are and what we do. But then it goes on to say, praying at all times. Now, surely doesn't mean all times. So I looked at other translations, and this is what they say. In every season, praying always, on all occasions. No matter what translation you look at, the, the scripture is very clear. Praying at all times. And that should bring to mind that scripture that we know so well in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. <laughs> As part of our warfare, we are continually asking and petitioning and requesting God on all occasions. And you go, well, this will make me very reliant on God. Yes. This will make me completely reliant on God. Yes, that is the point. To be completely reliant on God with our requests through prayer. Does that make sense? What does Philippians say? In everything, present your request to God with prayer and supplication. We've established that prayer is a way of us talking to God. So why wouldn't we on, on maybe every situation we, we can speak to God and hear what he has to say? Now, we don't need to go crazy on this and go, God, what am I going to eat for breakfast? Because God's going to go, doesn't really matter what you eat for breakfast. But if you do ask God what you eat for breakfast, that's amazing. And I hope you continue doing that. <laughs> it builds a reliance in us for God in all things. It builds humility. Because what does prideful prayer do? God, I want you too, instead of going, God, will you? And so it builds humility inside of us, and it makes us rely on the grace and the will of God. What does Jesus pray? Thy will be done on heaven as it is on earth as it is in heaven. Not the other way around. That would be terrible. <laughs> but then it goes on to say this. It says, pray at all times, and I hope we, we see that, that it's not just praying flippantly for, for every little thing, but it's, it's including God and asking God in every situation that you face, keeping in mind that the scripture is based in a passage about spiritual warfare. It says this, 
Praying in the Spirit. Now, what is praying in the Spirit? Maybe you know, but let me just clarify for all of you. Praying in the Spirit is praying in the power of the Spirit according to the Spirit's leading and for the things the Spirit leads us into. Praying in the Spirit is praying in the power of the Spirit according to the Spirit's leading and for the things the Spirit leads us to pray for. Now, Martin Lloyd-Jones, where's Wayne? Wayne and I have a massive love for the, the Welsh preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was one of the most famous preachers. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, that any prayer not prayed in the Spirit is prayed in the flesh. <laughs> True though. If you're not praying according to what the Spirit is leading you to pray, you're praying according to your flesh. You're praying to what you want. That's pride. Have you ever been in a meeting where you start praying something? I don't know how to finish this prayer. Why, why are you praying if the Spirit is not leading you to pray? <laughs> I love this. I read this somewhere. The Holy Spirit is to be the place of the prayer. What do I mean by that? In the sense of being the surrounding, penetrating, transforming atmosphere of the Spirit, of the praying Christian. We need to allow the Spirit to transform us when we pray. Allow Him to invade our atmosphere and go, Holy Spirit, what do you want? What am I praying? Have you ever started praying? You just, often before I pray, I just pray to myself. I'm praying. I'm going, God, what do you want me to pray? And the first thing I normally feel like praying is, is far from what I was thinking of praying. Spirit, what do you want me to pray? I could pray eloquent words for half an hour with no power. Paul says that. He says, I don't come to you with eloquent words, but I come to you with demonstrations of power. Which would you rather have? Eloquent prayers of wise words or, or Holy Spirit-led prayers that are powerful, that change people? Well, I know what I want. I want the Spirit of God to be moving through me when I pray. It, it makes me think of this of this. Any kind of situation you're in, I don't know, maybe you're in some kind of uh, emergency situation. Think of your prayers in an emergency situation. Oh, Heavenly Father, Thou art the God of all the universe. No. Well, maybe you do pray like that. And that I don't want to mock it. I don't want to mock prayer. Please hear me. I'm not mocking it. If you do pray like that, that's fine. If you pray in, in the... In the King James, that's awesome. But I think there's an urgency to our prayer when we need God. You're going, God, I need you now. And you're praying according to the Spirit. Often you're going, I don't know what to pray for, but God, I'm praying. I, I woke up this morning at 4 o'clock. I don't know why I woke up. I think I was just hot. And I had time because I couldn't sleep. What did I do? I prayed. Because there's no one else around. There's no responsibility at 4 o'clock in the morning. No one is texting you. No one is phoning you. There's no stupid Instagram calling my attention. God, what do I do when I wake up? Pray. And can I tell you what? I wasn't praying what I wanted to pray for. It wasn't my prayers. God, just pray that you would love me. I'm not, God, I pray for your church, Father God. I pray that you bring the lost in, Father God. Please, Jesus, save Musenberg, God. Save people into your kingdom, Jesus. Like, why would I pray prayers for myself? No, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And he's everything. I want to pray according to what's on his heart. The lost is on his heart. God, save the lost, Jesus. 
Praying for people in the church. God, break into that situation, Father God. Do something only you can do, Father God. Our wise words can't save them, God. Only your spirit can. So I'm preaching myself happy, so you can just watch me if you want to. <laughs> but pray with conviction, guys. Pray according to the spirit. Don't pray according to the flesh. Flesh is dying. You ought to kill the flesh daily. I don't want to pray to something that's dying. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> the second P, who remembers it? Perseverance. <laughs> well done, Marco. Excellent. Extra points. <laughs> Perseverance. It says this, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. So what is he saying? To what end keep alert with all the perseverance? He's saying, in prayer, keep alert with all perseverance. In what I've just said, in, in prayer and supplication, keep alert in all perseverance. Now, I think perseverance is a word lost on the modern generation. I include myself in that generation, even I'm 47. I'm Gen X. I don't know what you guys are. <laughs> but I, when I was a young believer, when I was a young man, I read biographies. And maybe you guys in Huawei read a lot of biographies. I read biographies of heroes of the faith. And these weren't men who were around 20, 30, 40 years ago. We're talking about the 16th, 17th, and 18th century. Men of God who could persevere. John Wesley, who prayed for five hours a day before going out to preach. Five hours a day. That's my whole day. And when, when, one of these books, and, and Wayne will note well, is, is a man called John Hyde. Maybe you've heard of him. He's a famous, and maybe you haven't. Maybe let me educate you on this man, a famous missionary. One of, the most, one of the most incredible men, John Hyde, had a heart for revival. And so he went to a place called India. And he was slow of speech, which means he couldn't speak well. And so because he couldn't speak well, and people thought he was a bit stupid. And so he thought, well, if I'm not going to speak, I'm going to pray. And he devoted his life to intercession. And I want to read a little extract from one of his books on, on how this man prayed for revival and the perseverance that he had to see revival of God in that area. Perseverance. I promise you, when I read this, you'll be like, what are you talking about? We have, a, we have an attention span of maybe three minutes these days. John Hyde finally decided to pray and fast till there was revival. For 30 days, he would not eat, and he spent each day on his face before God praying that he would open up the hearts of his people. 30 days on his face praying that God would open up the hearts of the people. Some may have thought the results didn't come because John Hyde was very slow of speech. When a question or remark was directed to him, he seemed to not hear or would take a long time to reply since he lacked inability. He came to the place that he used prayer as his greatest weapon. At one time during those 30 days, he spent 36 continuous hours on his knees begging God for his power. When last did we spend 36 hours on our knees begging God for his power? The Indians, by meaning the people who lived in India at that time, began to call him the man who never sleeps. Most of those who were saved through his labors later, did not call him by his first name. They called him Praying 
high. And it was not long after those 30 days before his prayers began to have the desired effect. Other Christians he knew became convicted about the great need for revival. So what did his prayer do? His prayer convicted other believers of the great need for revival. What a sad indictment on the church that there's no conviction for the need of revival. But praise God that he sent a man to pray for it. I don't know, it's incredible. Now it was his gifting, and I know it's an extreme example, but it shows an earnestness in persevering in prayer and in the things of God. And often when I speak to older saints in the faith, the first thing they say to me is we need to pray more. We need to spend more time in prayer. And I often wonder if it's because that generation has seen more of the effects of prayer than we have. I can ask my mom in law, yes. <laughs> and could it be, this, this is just my social pop psychology hypothesis, could it be that there was less distraction in those days? <laughs> I mean, when I was young, SABC 1, 2, 3, and ETV, that was it. And there was nothing on because Tuesdays and Thursdays was Afrikaans. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to watch Afrikaans, so whatever. <laughs> TV only started at 5. There was less distraction. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. Can I, can I, I'll just be honest with you because... We're brothers and sisters in Christ, so we're family. My wife isn't here. Can I tell you what the biggest point of conflict in our marriage is? Newlyweds, people who can think of getting married, this thing, deal with it. This thing should never compete with the attention of your wife. And how often does it? How often do you spend more time looking at random people online than speaking to your, your life partner? Seriously. That was a bit of free marriage advice. <laughs> Maybe we've lost the ability to spend time in the Spirit in deep intercession. And I, I, I say this to myself. I say this to myself. Or perhaps our prayer has been replaced by an emoji. How often if someone says, can you pray for me? Do all we do is we send this. <laughs> Can I say this? Unless you're going to pray, do not send the praying emoji. I mean that. In all honesty, don't send it because you're lying. You're actually lying. I think, uh, yes, I'll say this. I think you grieve the Holy Spirit in some sense. I'll say that very carefully because you're saying, I will pray for you, and the next minute you're off somewhere else doing something else. And that person's going, that person's praying. You have not prayed for that person. And one day you will stand before God and you go, I said I'd pray for them. Did you pray for them? No. Lies. <laughs> someone phoned me today. I was, I was preparing this. Someone phoned me. Can you please pray for my son? They've had a seizure. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. Okay. Okay, I'll pray. I, I messaged the dad. Hey, I'm praying for you guys. Put the prayer emoji. That minute, I put down my phone. Jesus, I pray for that child. God, I pray for that family. They are so scared, Father God. Won't you be with them, Father God? Won't you, Holy Spirit, be with them in that place? God, I pray for them now in this room. God, I pray you'd be with Gerald and Lee, Father God. I pray you'd be with Matthew, Father God, that the results would come back well, Father God, that those seizures would not be something that, that go through his whole life for them, Father God. Won't you heal them in the name of Jesus, Father God? 
Heal that young boy, Father God. We pray for the good results, Father God. You work everything for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes, Father God. Thank you for the Matthew that you've called him, Father God. He is in a godly home, God. Bring him up in the ways of the Lord. Amen. Carry on, my dad. How much more powerful is that than a six billion emojis are sent every single year? How many could be prayer? A million, two million, three million? How many of those translate into actual prayer? You saw what I did now. How much more powerful is that than a stupid little graphic sent on WhatsApp? I'm not trying to condemn you. So I'm sorry. I'm, not trying to I'm preaching to myself because I was doing it. And the Lord convicted me. Don't send it unless you're going to pray. Anyway, that was a very short point. I've labored too long. So as a church, we will be starting a prayer meeting weekly. We're still working out details for that, but we will be getting together and praying. And I said last week, in my prayer, in, in, my, in, our, in our meeting, we spoke about welfare and warfare. We spoke about how often we put our own welfare before the kingdom warfare. And so if we call a weekly prayer meeting, how are we going to go, my own welfare doesn't suit me, or are we going to go, kingdom warfare, yes, I will commit to every second week, once a month, whatever it is, it doesn't be every week. I'm going to warfare for the kingdom. I'm going to give myself to prayer with other saints. Or are you going to sit at home and watch TV? Final P, petition. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. First Timothy 2, 1 says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, the thanksgiving be made for all people. Look to the person next to you and say this, I am called to pray and petition for you. Now, that person can come to you in the week and say, are you praying for me? <laughs> we are called to make supplication for all the saints. And supplication is offering a petition in a certain lack in someone's life or in our lives. Go to the person and say, what do you feel is lacking in your life and what can I pray for? I'm struggling in this. I will pray for you. Struggling in that. I'll pray for you. Very practical. We are called to pray and petition for one another. John Piper says this. Vanessa, I got this from your document. Without extended, concerted prayer, the ministry of the word withers. And when the ministry of the word declines, faith and holiness decline. Activity may, con listen to this, this is important, this is important. This is how we judge churches often. Activity, how big am I, how many numbers? It says, <laughs> come Holy Spirit. No, <laughs> it says, activity may continue, but life and power and fruitfulness fade away. Therefore, whatever opposes prayer opposes the whole work of ministry. Whatever opposes prayer opposes the whole work of ministry. <laughs> now, everyone's going to be at the prayer meeting, which is amazing. I'm very thankful for that. But in closing, I just I wanted to read you something. How prepared I am. 
I'm finished now, but I want to I want to read. Has anyone anyone heard of this book, Value of Vision? Has anyone heard of the Puritans? Okay. The book by Puritan authors on Puritan prayer. And I, I wanted to read it to you because it's how they used to pray in the old days. And it just shows you the power of prayer. It's a book called uh, about the American Puritan movement. And then I want to do one final prayer. Why don't you close your eyes and I can read this. This is a prayer called Living by Prayer. O God of the open ear, teach me to live by prayer as well as by providence. For myself, soul, body, children, family, church, give me a heart frameable to thy will. So might I live in prayer and honor thee, being kept from evil, knowing and unknowing. Help me to see the sin that accompanies all I do and the good I can distill from everything. Let me know that the work of prayer is to bring my will to thine, and that without this it is folly to pray. Let me say that again. Let me know that the work of prayer is to bring my will in accordance to your will, and to pray without this is folly. When I, when I try to bring thy will to mine, it is to command Christ. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, if I try and pray my will unto you, I am trying to command Christ. To be above him and wiser than he, this is my sin and pride. I can only succeed when I pray, according to thy precept and promise, and to be done with as it pleases thee, according to thy sovereign will. When thou commandest me to pray for pardon, peace, and brokenness, it is because you will give me the things promised, for thy glory as well as for my good. Help me not only to desire small things, but with holy boldness to desire great things. For thy people, for myself, that they and I might live to show thy glory. Teach me that it is wisdom for me to pray for all I have, out of love, willingly, not of necessity, that I may come to thee at any time to lay open my needs acceptably to thee, that my great sin lies in my not keeping the savor of thy ways, and that the remembrance of this truth is one way to the sense of thy presence, that there is no wrath like the wrath of being governed by my own lusts. For my own ends. <laughs> Pretty heavy reading, but it's real. And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to ask. I, I don't know. I don't know everyone in this room. I know. I, I know most of you are from YWAM. I know most of you have come to to serve in mission fields. But I've been in church leaders' meetings where people have given their life to Christ. <laughs> and you go, what is a person in leadership doing? They don't, they don't know Christ. Well, I think of John Wesley who spent years on the mission field in America and had to admit while coming back on a, a ship with Moravian missionaries that he didn't know the Lord. So he accepted Christ and his forgiveness on that very night on the ship. And so I would ask, if you're in this room tonight and you, you've never accepted Christ's free gift of grace, 
If you're going, I've, I've listened to you to preaching about prayer, but I don't even know what you're talking about because I don't even know Jesus. Well, this is the truth that, that all of us at, at some point are separated from Christ and it, it takes Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We all know that 2,000 years ago, Christ was crucified. Now, that's just, not just a story that we are told that is real, that is fact, that happened because Christ came because he had to die for the sins of the world. And so if you sit here tonight going, I, I still feel like I'm stuck in sin. I've never received forgiveness from sin. Well, tonight is the night that you can receive forgiveness for all of your sin. That not only can you receive forgiveness of sin, but you can now become a son and daughter of Christ. And all you need to do is ask God to forgive you for sinning against them. Well, you ask, why do I need to ask forgiveness from God? Because God is holy. And anything that we do, any transgression, is a sin or a transgression against a holy God, which means we need His forgiveness continually. So if you've never asked Him for forgiveness, if you've never bowed your knee before Him, I would, I would beg you. The Scripture says that we plead with men. And it says we, we do so because our hearts are so are so enamored with the gospel ourselves, we want people to taste God and see that he is good. 